0: It reminds me very much of the financial meltdown in 2008, you know, 2009, where a lot of companies realized then that, you know, we're doing business intelligence reporting. We've got our forecasts and so forth. And and they realized that, oh, my gosh, we're measuring the wrong things (laughs) because we don't know what to do now.
1: Welcome to Limitless BI, this is the show where we interview real world innovative business leaders who are seeing beyond the data to produce tangible results in their organizations using business intelligence. With your host, founder, and CEO of InfoSoul, Paul Grill.
0: Welcome back to uh, Limitless BI. I'm here today with my producer, Harry Duran, and very, very excited to talk about our next series that. Uh, we're putting together here it's all about bi in a new decade so here we are 2020 start of a new decade business intelligence you know has been around for a couple of decades um, you know some people would argue 3 but certainly very strongly for for the last uh, two decades a lot of new technologies have evolved and emerged during that time and business intelligence itself has obviously evolved and emerged during that time And with technology accelerating at the pace that it is, these technologies are being adopted into all arenas at a very, very fast pace. And I think we're in a world of information today where with more and more data at our fingertips and more and more methods of analyzing that data, business intelligence has never been more pertinent uh, to the world today. We look at where we are right now with the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's a classic example of, you know, business intelligence at its best, and also at its worst. And that in itself, I think is, is quite interesting. What I mean by at its worst is that business intelligence is all about analyzing data. But if you start off with bad data or you start off with a lot of missing data and you still do that analysis you will have bad results and so a lot of the early analysis of what was happening with the COVID 19 pandemic in terms of number of cases and um, number of deaths and so forth it was inaccurate data unfortunately it's still inaccurate data today and yet people are using this inaccurate data to provide predictive models as to what's going to happen next. And that's very dangerous uh, because we don't have all the data. And so it's not a good situation. At the same time, business intelligence, as I said, can really help us in this situation. I've been talking and working with different CIOs and uh, different people in the business intelligence space who have been in the healthcare organizations. They're putting together COVID-19 dashboards to track the distribution of PPE equipment to really help run uh, the hospitals much more efficiently. They've had to pivot uh, in many different ways, and business intelligence is really helping them to do this. Staff shortages, uh, situations where people are being furloughed, laid off. What's the impact of the business? And not only is it important in terms of real-time operational situations as we're seeing now, but obviously we've got a huge global economic recovery in front of us. And again, business intelligence is going to be so critical and so important in doing the necessary analysis to understand what are the best decisions to make, because that's what it's all about. You know, having that data at your fingertips so you can make informed uh, decisions. So I find this incredible, you know, that here we are (laughs) at the beginning of a new decade and look what we've got. We've got this put right on our plates, you know, in front of us. But, you know, going back to the series and I conceived the series before the COVID-19 pandemic, But I did start to line up, you know, speakers during the pandemic. And and so, you know, again, I, I looked at what people are doing and uh, and understand, you know, uh, directions. And I realized that the questions I possibly would have asked them back in January will be quite different to the questions I will ask them now.
1: Can you talk a little bit about what you saw yourself as a business owner having to struggle with some of these very decisions that some of your peers are and and were working through? Just to provide some context for the listener in terms of what, what was going through your mind as all this was unfolding.
0: Right. Well, we were in the fortunate position of being a virtual company to start with. So we didn't have the disruption that a lot of companies had at the beginning of the pandemic where they had to send people home and have them work from home. And what we witnessed was we saw a lot of our customers struggling with, oh, my gosh, we don't have enough bandwidth for all our people to work from home, and we don't have the equipment, and we don't have the setup, and people are struggling because they don't have the space, you know, to have, you know, private space to work from and, uh, and so forth. And so we avoided, you know, to a great degree all of that disruption. We did see a kind of a pause where we saw a lot of companies, because of furloughs, layoffs, because of frozen budgets, because of frozen travel and everything else, actually stop some of the projects because they didn't know how they could continue at that point in time. So projects were put on hold. At the same time, we saw companies struggling with key individuals no longer being available. So I can't tell you the number of calls we got where we said, hey, can you help us get our systems back up again? Because the person who does it has been furloughed <laughs> and is no longer there or the person is off sick. Wow and so we got a lot of that kind of you know support type work coming in to to help companies um, you know through this and it it also was a wake up call for a lot of companies because they realized that they were only one deep and they also realized that suddenly they were inundated with requests for Different business intelligence information that was, you know, oh my gosh, uh, we don't have this. We're going to have to quickly put this together and so forth. I was talking to um, a company up in the Seattle area only a week ago, and the BI manager there told me that he's never been as so busy in his life. He said the entire organization, and they are—they deal with public utilities. He said the entire organization has woken up to the need for business intelligence. Everyone wants reports right now. Everybody wants information so they can make key decisions and so forth. And I thought that was a great example of just, yes, the importance and significance of it. Our own consultants and our own business you know, has, has run relatively smoothly. I'm happy to say we're busy and all of our consultants are used to working uh, remotely, and you know we've we've continued uh, very much, you know in uh, in that vein. At the same time, we, you know, we do a lot of in-person work. And of course, that's stopped, we have conferences, and, um, you know, we, we you know, visit clients and so forth. And of course, all of that has stopped as well. And so we've found ourselves, you know, using every single, you know, web meeting software under the sun from Zoom to GoToMeeting, you know, to Teams, to Skype, to everything to, you know, just stay in touch and, you know, try and make it, as in-person as possible across the internet.
1: Paul, can you talk a little bit about how the type of reporting changes in times of crisis? Because I imagine the metrics that CEOs and reporting managers were looking at in February and early March were much different than where they were focusing their attention once the pandemic hit.
0: Absolutely. To be honest, all regular type of Forecasting business intelligence went out the window. People, you know, said, Well, this is unprecedented. We don't know what's going to happen. And so the focus changed from looking at things like sales, revenue, to really focusing on cost and looking at their costs and how they can control them as best as possible through this. And for a lot of companies, you know, their number one cost is labor. You know, and employees, you know, supply chain is another big area where companies had to, you know, kind of look at things very carefully. How much inventory do we have on hand and is our supply chain going to be disrupted? And if it is disrupted, what's the effect of that and so forth? And so people were looking at what I would call more near time Mm. operational type metrics as opposed to the traditional metrics that, that they would look at. Now, you know, they will pivot again as the recovery gets into full swing to start looking again yeah. <laughs> at the impact of what's happened and how they're going to, you know, rebuild. And unfortunately, of course, some of them, it's um, it's not going to happen. Some have already declared bankruptcy. Mm. and Some have made it clear they won't open their doors again. So it's um, it, it's difficult. It reminds me very much of the financial meltdown in 2008, mm-hmm. you know, 2009, where a lot of companies realized then that, you know, we're doing business intelligence reporting. We've got our forecasts and so forth. And, and they realized that, oh my gosh, we're measuring the wrong things mm. <laughs> because we don't know what to do now. Yeah. And the pandemic has also revealed that some organizations are measuring the wrong things. And a whole new slew of metrics will come into into existence as a result of this pandemic with with a lot of organizations. At the same time, we also can see already that some organizations are pivoting their businesses. Yeah you know, that, okay, we produce this, but now we're going to produce that. We're going to change our service offerings. We're going to do this. And so as a result of that, business intelligence becomes very significant in tracking that. And there's no history because now it's new. And so now they've got to get that data and, and then start to analyze it. The situation I, I was telling you about of the the COVID-19 PPE was fascinating to me because I I spoke to the VP A business intelligence there about it. And I said, okay, I said, where are you accessing all this data from? And he goes, well, I have to be honest with you. We're we're inputting it. We don't (laughs) have it. It doesn't exist because this is all new. The PPE is is all new to us. So we only have one week's worth of data right now and so we started talking and we started realizing oh my gosh as the weeks go by you are going to accumulate more and more information to apply business intelligence against so this will become right very very valuable in the future it's already valuable today from an operational side but it will become more valuable from a business intelligence side should you know there be a recurrence right, of the virus or another virus comes along yeah. and, you know, another potential pandemic happens, they'll, they will be in a much better position because they'll have good data, right, to be able to go back to and analyze and start to figure out, okay, well, you know what? We ended up, right, with surplus PPE in these 20 hospitals and not enough in those other 20. We'll make sure that doesn't happen again, right? Yeah. For
1: the benefit of the listener, if you could just define PPE.
0: It's personal protective equipment, yeah. right? So it it could be as simple as masks, Mm -hmm. right, and uh, and gowns, you know, and uh, gloves, right? But obviously, in a hospital setting, it it can be a lot more elaborate than that. Yeah. You know, if you see what, you know, from TV, what the doctors and some of the nurses are wearing now.
1: And some of those conversations you've had or are planning to have with some of these CEOs... What do you see as common threads? Because even though these companies are in different industries, I imagine there's there's a, a common thread in terms of concerns or things they need to be thinking about that they weren't thinking about before.
0: Yes. I think that's what's going to make this series so interesting because I think we're going to find that each of the people I spoke to had – a preconceived idea of what things were going to look like in their organizations or the organizations that they are working with that has now perhaps changed
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> because of the, the situation we find ourselves in. And so you start to see some people talking about post lockdown right, that everything I say applies to post-lockdown. Everything I say applies to post-COVID-19 pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's dangerous because we have to accept the fact that not only is it happening, but it will never really go away completely. It's always going to be there. OK, and so I think, you know, that is going to be definitely a factor in, in these organizations. Now, from the standpoint of if we get back to business intelligence and what do we see for business intelligence in the next decade, those things don't change. So when we start to talk about the sophistication of, uh, of you know, predictive algorithms and machine learning and artificial intelligence these technologies are advancing day by day, week by week, and more and more organizations are looking to integrate those technologies into business intelligence. And so I think those discussions will be, you know, very much the same. Um, But then when you start to talk about, well, how do we see business intelligence evolving in the enterprise? I start to wonder, well, what will the enterprise look like in a year's time? You know, when you see huge organizations, you know, closing their doors and you see others struggling to survive in their current format, you know, you, you start to wonder who will be those enterprises of the future because, just to give you an example... Mm-hmm. You know, you have some very large software companies who sell software at very expensive prices. But if all the organizations they're supplying to, or a very large number of them, stop right implementing projects or stop spending money on software, that's going to affect them, right? So how do they deal with that?
1: And it would seem that there would be a need for, lack of a better term, predictive reporting. To look at those metrics, look at the bigger picture, look at the macro picture of the companies that are changing the way they do business, that are going out of business. How does a company like Twitter, who has decided that employees can now work from home indefinitely, Salesforce has decided until the end of 2020 as well. So these little things have ripple effects, not only for the companies, but in how companies think about what needs or what, what they'll have to keep an eye on, you know, I think of infrastructure and buildings and and they may be having less office space, and so these are these change the things that companies are, are going to be looking at or, or should be looking at down the line.
0: Absolutely. And you raise a really good point there, because we're already seeing that this pandemic has accelerated right, change within so many organizations Mm -hmm. you know my my younger son's company about 90 people always worked from the office they do software development and and support there felt it was really important for everybody to be in the same location together exchange information and so forth three months ago at the start of the pandemic went remote Announced last week, they are now permanently remote mm. because they've seen an improvement in productivity. <laughs> wow. Okay. So had this not happened, that situation may not have happened for another few years. Yeah. Okay. We saw an acceleration, you know, as a, as a direct result, um, you know, of that. And you're quite right, you know, with the social distancing and uh, and with people finding new ways to do you know, shopping, shopping online will obviously be get bigger and bigger. Lots of things online will get bigger and bigger yeah. and, uh, and take on new significance.
1: Can you give the listener a, a sneak peek at some of the conversations and some of the companies you'll be speaking with in upcoming episodes?
0: Yes. Basically, I've brought together people from all over the world, which I thought was kind of interesting because they will have a different you know perspective uh, as a result of that so one of the people who i will be interviewing is kate wright who is the vice president and global head of augmented business intelligence for sap one of the largest software companies in the world and They have launched some very interesting initiatives into the world of business intelligence, as well as obviously other software areas. And so it'll be very interesting to see what her vision is from SAP's perspective. Because if you look at SAP as a company, they do the majority of their business with the Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies. So this is, you know, a company looking at the, the biggest organizations in the world in terms of what you know they're going to be providing. I'm also talking with Jefferson Lynch, uh, who's the managing director of a company called Red Olive uh, based in London in the UK. And um, Jefferson has a very, very interesting background with a particular specialty around predictive and predictive modeling. He loves data. He loves right, to do predictions on data and so forth. And his company serves a lot of very interesting clients you know, in the UK and has done some very interesting projects. And again, he's using all aspects of business intelligence to do that with. So I think it'll be very interesting to see his perspective on the ground in that direction. I'm also going to be interviewing uh, Donald McCormick again, from the UK. And um, Donald is a, is a fascinating character. He calls himself a BI entrepreneur today. Um, and he has been behind many successful BI companies over the years. And he used to be the CTO, the Chief Technical Officer for Business Objects that acquired for um, by SAP. And so, you know, what I love about Donald is that he is a man who has, you know, two to three decades of BI, and, you know, exposure and experience from all levels. He's a technologist at heart. He knows and loves and breathes the technology, but also, you know, he's an entrepreneur too, and he can see, you know, different directions as to where things are going, what's happening out there. So I think he will bring a very interesting perspective. And then we're going to switch over to Dubai. Um, and the United Arab Emirates um, and I'll be interviewing Anjam Sadak who is the CEO and founder of a company called Intelytics. Intelytics is, is a fascinating company that is kind of specialized around data visualization in BI and they've worked with some extremely large organizations, you know, from people like Yum Brands to the Ministry of Health for the United Arab Emirates to IHC, who is very much in the news today, the international humanitarian uh, city. You know, where a lot of refugee aid relief and all sorts of relief is, uh, is shipped out of and so forth. And he has revolutionized these organizations by providing them with visual business intelligence solutions. So, again, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see his perspective on where things uh, he sees things moving over the next decade. And then, you know, back to the United States, I'm going to be talking to um, Heather Hill, who is, um, you know, a BI manager for uh, a large nationwide uh, container company. And Uh, Heather will bring a really interesting perspective as as, you know, on the ground in a company. This is what we're doing. This is how we've dealt with the situations. And one of the big things that companies are faced with right now is whether to move all their data and applications into the cloud. And her organization is doing that right now. And so I think she'll bring a very interesting perspective since she has a very strong business intelligence background as to how, you know, BI in the cloud is looking and how she sees it looking into the future as well. And then my my final guest is um, Harvey Smith, who is the uh, Vice President of Technology for Holman Strategic Ventures. And Holman Strategic Ventures is is a fascinating company. It's it's a startup that was put together by the Holman group a few years ago to basically, you know, what I call is the dream job, right? Get a bunch of really great specialists together and ask them to dream up solutions, dream up applications, you know, for the future around the automotive industry. And some of the things they've created have been fascinating. And in their case, you know, they have data scientists on staff. Um, They are creating applications with embedded analytics, uh, which, again, a lot of people are predicting will be the future, that rather than have a separate analytic solution, it will be completely embedded in every application. So I think, you know, Harvey will bring an interesting perspective and he's a mixed breed in the sense that he uh, he's based in New Jersey but he's a Brit originally like me so um, so as I said it's it's it's, uh, it's a good lineup and I'm very very excited to be um, uh, to be interviewing uh, all of these fantastic people and uh, getting their perspective on where bi is heading in the next decade.
1: Sounds like you have an incredible, diverse, and varied lineup of guests coming up with what I'm sure are going to be varied perspectives on how the the pandemic has, has affected their businesses and, and what they see going forward. So I think it's going to make for some really interesting conversations.
0: Couldn't agree more.
1: So for the listener… You'll find uh, the episodes as they're available on LimitlessBI.com or you can subscribe to Limitless Bi on your favorite podcast player. And uh, stay tuned for the first episode in this series to be coming uh, to you soon. Thanks for your time, Paul. Thanks for listening to this episode of Limitless Bi. To read the full show notes, including any links mentioned during this conversation, head on over to LimitlessBI.com. There you'll find all the different ways to subscribe to the show and resources that will help you and your business become more limitless. Tune in next episode for another conversation with a business leader who is using business intelligence to innovate in their company.